Hello, welcome back. This is the Fantasy Rugby Inc. Podcast. My name is Jared Dyke. I am recording from just outside Boston, Massachusetts. This is episode four. We are looking at the first round of the Heineken Champions Cup. And if you started three guys that didn't play like me, then welcome to the club. I did not pay attention to my lineups. I broke my own rule. Good job for me. I'm a dope. So if you did that or anything to that nature, you're in good company. Oh, man, what a weekend. That is a lot more rugby than I've uh, taken in this season so far. But uh, it's totally worth it. That was a great, great set of matches to watch. Lots of fun things to talk about today and a little bit of fantasy, a little bit of real rugby to talk about. We'll get to it right, right now. To recap the, the scoring format, this is not like the Rugby Magazine site. There, You really have to do certain things in this differently. Because um, this, this, there's just not as many chances to score. There's not as many ways to score. You get points for appearances. Uh, you know, in the rugby ma- magazine, it's you get a point for being named to the team, and then you get an extra point if you play more than sixty. I think this one, it's named to the bench for one. If you start, it's two, and if you play the whole thing, it's three. Um, tries are a little bit of a premium. Forward tries are worth seven. Back tries are worth five. Conversions by your designated kicker, as it, as it usually is, are two. Drop goals are three. Penalties are three. If you miss a penalty, if your kicker misses a penalty, it's minus one. Uh, try assists are three. If you get five tackles made, it's a point. 50 meters carried, um, it's a point for each 50 meters carried. So if you carry 100 meters in a match, it's only two. So those go down significantly. Um, line out the only the only thing at the line out that's worth much is line out steals. It's one per steal, and then really you got to avoid the cards minus three and minus six, minus three for the yellow and minus six for the red card. So my advice in this format would be to definitely put a premium on tries. If you feel someone's in the tries, James Lowe being the first name on the off the top of my head, um, you got to put them in your team. They they're going to be a huge, huge, huge advantage. So over maybe overpay for tries and then start looking for good jumpers that steal lineouts, players that play the whole game on the reg, and um, and good tacklers. Those are going to be the guys that make you points in this one. Uh, daily, it'll be a little bit easier because you get to, you know, you get to feel out the teams, the day, the teams in the day. Uh, separately, and there's no salary cap limit. For the season-long, for the competition-long fantasy team, you're going to need to definitely pay for your tries. You're going to pay a premium unless you happen to get James Lowe early or somebody of that nature. That's the first one that comes to the top of my head. Why? Because it was the game I watched probably the most closely besides the Saracens match. We'll talk about that today. Um... Yeah, so pay pay extra for guys you know are, are going to score or or have been scoring. Um, 
So let's talk about a little. We'll touch a little bit on some of the big, big things for the weekend. Poor Freddie Burns. Poor, poor Freddie Burns. Um, had the winner in his hands, and all he had to do was fall down in the try zone and uh, give Maxine Medoc credit. He never quit on the play, and he just got to Freddie, and Freddie all of a sudden had to turn, had to realize, oh no, and he uh, he knocked it on. He knocked on the winning try in the last five minutes. Oof, um, that'll haunt him forever, unfortunately, and. So well, the missed penalty he had before, which was pretty much dead on. If it wasn't dead on, it was close. Uh, just not not his day. Not his day. It was a great match. Um, we'll talk about that match more more in depth. But uh, Freddie, sorry, buddy. That's a uh, that's a rough one. That's one of those days. Maybe you just erase from your memory in a in a few weeks' time. Unfortunately, it will probably take longer than that for him. Hopefully, he can be a professional and just put it out of his brain and. Get on to the next match. And take a bow, Newcastle Falcons. Oh, my. We'll talk about this match more in depth. But this is a team that's last in the premiership going against three-time defending champions. Not not three-time defending champions, but a team that's won this competition three times in a row. Not that long ago. It was about three years ago, three or four years ago, they won their last one. So uh, take about Newcastle, Dean Richards, uh, Joel Hodgson, the whole crew. Well done. Uh, big injury notes. Oh, man. Billy Vinopola out, broken arm, 12 weeks. Didn't look like a big deal, but it sounds like it's going to be a wee bit of a big deal. Um, 12 weeks, three months. So he's out of your November tests, and he'll be out probably for the remainder of this um, pool play around for for Saracens as well. So they will have to deal without him. They do have a fairly deep squad, so they will be okay, but that is just a huge, huge injury. Uh, his brother, Mako, also picked up a small injury along with a sequoia in the same match. Might get him. It's going to leave them a little banged up this week. They'll probably be game-time decisions come this Saturday. Okay. Um Last thing before we get into the games. Uh, note after this round, the teams that have taken two losses, and especially if they've taken two losses with a thumping, they might start to mail it in because they no longer see this competition as something they can win. So they might start to put not their strongest lineup. They're not going to put out the complete you know, B team, but they won't be putting in their best and they won't risk anybody that is even, you know, even has half an injury. So just keep that in mind and we'll go through. Um, just keep that in mind as, as you go through. When you come up with choices between players uh, for rounds three and four, which will be in, I think, another month after this, choose wisely. Consider that. You know, some guys may be going against teams that have lost two games or even three if they lose their third round game. And then you need to pick new players for round four. Consider that the opposition might be a little bit mailing it in. Who knows? They are professionals, I know, but 
Still, if the coach decides to not risk certain players because he knows the competition is unwinnable, then you could sit. That could also be bad news for players you have in your team. So keep that in mind as well. All right, to the games. First, the Friday night one Leinster and Wasp. Uh, you have to feel a little sorry for Wasps in this one. They walked in with. Without their starting scrum half, without their starting eight man, that's his fault. But, you know, the starting scrum half, the starting eight man, um, their best second row, hands down. A handful of front rowers that were unavailable as well, haven't been available all season, but still doesn't make it any easier. Um, And Leinster put out the strongest squad possible. Most of them have been capped by Ireland. You know, it was... A little rough, go, rough of a go for them. So uh, we'll we'll look at it to, to start. But man, this was this was pretty ugly. Um, so we had it was a good match right up until halftime, and then Leinster decided that they were just going to turn on the Jets and go full throttle. They got a card right at halftime. Uh, they got a try right at halftime after a, a Lima Sopawaga yellow card. Was it was it an intentional knock? I don't know. I feel like he got a little bit of the short straw on that one. The pass was actually forward and thrown basically into his chest. So I don't know what else Sopawaga is supposed to do. I'd try and pick that off and hope that I could run the other way with it. Not that I'd finish the damn thing, but you know hang on to it and run, but he didn't hang on to it, but I, I don't think it was an intentional knock. I don't think it was worthy of the yellow card. Eventually, Luke McGrath capitalized on that. Um, Sean Cronin did get the try scoring going for Leinster pretty fast. Uh, Sopawaga replied with a penalty shortly shortly afterwards, and unfortunately for Wasp, that's all there was. Uh, Luke McGrath got one at the end of the half, like I said, Jack McGrath came on for the halftime, and he got one as well uh, near the end of the game, actually. James Lowe gets uh, a nice one on a counter, and then he doubles that up later on. Uh, Luke McGrath gets his double, and then Jordan Lommer and Robbie Henshaw get get on the try scoring, and then, like I said, Jack McGrath gets in at the 7 9th minute just to put the, the, just to cut that wound just a little deeper. Um, so those are, that's a, that's a good game to have guys in. If you picked, uh, mostly Leinster players in daily, you did a, you did the smart thing. I rolled with James Lowe, both in fantasy and, uh, both in, uh, the competition long and in the daily. So that was good. I also put in, um, what else did I have? I had, I think I had James Gaskell and. Uh, Elliot Daly, and that did not work well. Tried to keep it a little versatile and not be so married to one side, but maybe I should have done that. So, uh, unfortunate for Wasp, they walked in with a lot of guys missing. We'll see if they can come out of this. Um, they still had some guys that could have stepped up for them. Sopawaga should should have been able to step up a little bit. Joe Simpson's not a nobody on this team. He's played with this team for a while. Um, 
Rollins and, and Gaskell have basically been the number one lock pairing since Launchbury went down. They should be fine. They should be. There shouldn't be a lot of excuse there. Um, Tommy Taylor and Tom Cruise, either one of them, you know, it's you can make excuses for them, but at the end of the day, these are professional guys that should have, you know, really, really, you know, that I think disappointed quite a bit, in my opinion. Um, Tommy uh, Thomas Young play started this one for Wasp, in my opinion. Thomas Young is the best seven that they have. Uh, at anybody that's listened to this podcast for longer than an episode now, or maybe even just the episode that happened to hear me not uh, not be too happy and express my non-trustworthiness of Ashley Johnson. So I don't know why he's in there over Thomas Young. I think Die Young's being a moron. Not pl- I know it's his kid. And I appreciate that he wants to make him earn it. The kids earned it. Trust me. Die young. Start your damn son. Stop being stupid. All right. Toulouse and Bath. Toulouse make their Champions Cup return to the top competition in Europe. And Bath looked to get the first title in a long time at the wreck. Um, they played this game at the wreck. It was a for- unfortunate ending, ending, but a very watchable game. Uh, just uh, poor Freddie Burns. He had a he had a good day, and then he had a bad day. <laughs> um, so Maxime Medar got got the scoring going for the try scoring going for Toulouse. Uh, Jamie Roberts responded with a nice run and a good hard run as Jamie Roberts does. Freddie Burns get, gets one over the line, and then. Uh, Sofiane Gautien, Gautien uh, gets over. Yellow yellow card for Jerome Kano. Tom Ellis gets gets sent off as well. Um, Gautien gets gets another one at sixty one after the after the break, and then we have the missed penalty shortly followed by the miss the miss the completely blown try. There's no other way to describe it by. Uh, Freddie Burns, you feel bad for the guy. He he did have a good day. Um, he missed. Where was the penalty? When was the penalty he missed? Missed penalty. Missed the penalty on seventy third minute, and then he dropped it at seventy five. Did not get a chance to redeem himself because he got replaced shortly after by Tom Homer. Uh, you just felt bad for the guy. Um, I don't know. I, I I can't. You can't get around this moment being the moment that Bath lost the game. It was just after 75th minute when he did it. He knew he done gone goofed, but couldn't do anything to respond. Uh, but it wasn't it wasn't all Bath by any means, believe me. Toulouse played really hard. Maxime Medar earned, earned that team that victory by not giving up on the play once Freddie Burns got through. Um, but... It was. Uh, it's definitely going to be a moment talked about for a long time. Unfortunately for Freddie. Um, other notes. Other notes besides this thing go. The winger for Toulouse, Colbe. Uh, Woof. Feet on that boy. My goodness. He was sitting people down for fun. He was just. <laughs> if you tried to tackle him, he broke your ankles. I swear to God, there had to be. There had to have been probably four or five sets sitting on the field still. 
Um, guy was just dancing around everybody, and anytime it looked like he was stuck in a tough spot to make any gain, he proved you wrong and got at least a few by making a couple guys miss. Uh, so keep an eye out on him. I don't know what his price is in the game. Um, like I said, this is not going to be a nearly as in-depth um, podcast about Europe because I can only put so much work into one of these things, and the premiership goes for 20-some-odd rounds. This is going to go for 10, maybe. So uh, premiership's going to win out. <laughs> um, but it was a great game. Uh, don't know what else to really say about it other than pick yourself up, Freddie. Uh, your team's not dead yet. Just get back to it. Uh, they got a, they got a bonus point for losing by less than seven. That's about all that you can salvage out of it for now. So, uh, as I said, it was a lot of rugby to digest this past weekend and take in. Uh, I did not get to watch every game yet. I've come close. I only missed out on two. One of them was the Montpellier Edinburgh match. I've the match report I've read and the what I've heard talked about. It sounds like it was a thriller. Uh, you know, uh, South Africa does Montpellier. It sounds like there were a lot of uh, sp- former Springboks in this team. Uh, I know that they're all over Europe and they're littered in teams that, especially the teams that have some money to throw around. Um, but still, <laughs> this sounds like it's got a lot to it. Uh, along with some Scots and a couple of former Kiwis. But, um, yeah, it sounds like it was a great game. Uh, Ruin Pinar seems to just not be able to age. He sounds like he had a stormer. Um, The Duplessis brothers were in there. It's a match that, if you haven't watched it yet, I want you to go watch it because I think... This is probably the, one of the ones I should have watched instead of another one that I, I already did and am slightly regretting it. <laughs> uh, just a, I'll give a quick try recap. Uh, Immelman got it going for Montpellier, and then McNally got it back. Got one back about mm, two minutes later. Uh, Fall got one back and got another one, and then Ngandebe got an Got uh, the third one for Montpellier uh, about halfway through the first half. And then after the break, Dougie Fife gets over for Edinburgh. And then there was a, I know there was a moment where it looked like somebody was clean through and he just fell short. Oh, no, wait. Yeah, no. So that was actually, the moment I read about was actually pick them all for Montpellier looking for their bonus point try. Um but I did read that there was quite a um, quite a huff and a puff to try and get over the Montpellier line one more time. But good on Edinburgh for giving the these French giants all they could handle. It'll be a game I watch, and uh, maybe I'll have a word, an extra word or two to say on it next week when uh, I've watched it. All right, Exeter and Munster. Uh, non rugby note. Exeter, why are you wearing those blues? Wear blacks. You're known for the blacks. Those blues are not great on you. Wear the blacks. They they look much better. I know people are excited to buy alternate jerseys and third jerseys and stuff like that. Helps sell helps, you know, your bottom line overall. Wear the blacks. As far as 10-10 draws go, this was not the most unwatchable one by any means. Uh the weather the weather across the 
the whole competition on Saturday was pretty gross. A lot of rain, a lot of sideways rain. Um, it was a it was just a, a slugfest, which is something that actually these two teams are pretty much perfect for. Neither team has a ton in the arsenal in the back line. So I would uh, it was definitely a slugfest, so it was a forward it was a forwards game. It was built. Um, the weather was made for this game. 10-10 actually doesn't surprise me in the end. It was uh it was a lot of try it wasn't a lot of try scoring. 10-10. It was a try each and two ki- and a conversion each and a kick each. Uh, so it was good. Um, Munster did dominate quite a bit of this game, but good for less uh, Exeter for not going away, not not conceding. Um, you don't want to lose your home games in this competition. Draws aren't ideal, but you sure as hell don't want to lose them. So uh, Exeter made sure they didn't. They had a there was a try saving tackle at the end, if I remember right, but um, or near the end, I don't remember who it was, but just 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 got away with it. Um, they were there. Were, there was a lot of tackles being made in this game. No no surprise. Uh, like I said, it was a very forward heavy game. Both these teams are built to be tanks and just slowly roll over you until you just submit basically just you're forced to quit and they get over the line so two teams like that it's going to be a bit of a stalemate and there's going to be a lot of tackles made uh, a lot of hard collisions in this game uh, just go through the try scoring real quick uh, Luke Cowan Dickey got the try scoring started just before halftime for Exeter a couple of penalties had already been traded at that point and then C.J. Stander got over the line uh, very well for Munster about halfway through the half, uh, the second half. And then that was it. Um, threatened. There were plenty of threats both ways, but it was not a uh, it was not a particularly um, open game by any means, especially with the weather. That did not help at all. Uh, neither team seemed super, super, super ready to just go at it. Um, there was a lot of blood bins. A lot of blood bins. I uh, specifically remember, I think it was Sam Skinner coming off with a pretty bloody face and still coming back on looking a little bloody, but uh, they said it was okay, so beats me. Uh, both teams get two points out of the deal, and they move on to next week. I believe Bath, are tra- uh, Bath. Exeter are traveling, and Munster get to stay put. All right, Scarlets and Rassing, last year's finalist Rassing. Uh, back in there with a new with a new ten, and it was again another wet, rainy game. This one was a little more little more open. Um, some guy guys like Lee Halfpenny certainly want to get their hands on the ball in space, so you can't put that. You can't really uh, stifle that too much. Um, Joe Rockacoco was in there. Johnny McNichol, uh, guys like that are certainly looking for. Uh, plenty of space to run for and not going to be shy about it either. Finn Russell is definitely not a player that's going to try and keep it tight either. He is going to throw some questionable passes, but it'll certainly open the game up. <laughs> um, despite all that, it was a 14-13 win to Rossing. It was a unfortunate and, dare I say, harsh call on Scarlett's for the penalty try that eventually gave the uh, the last year's finalist, the win. It was 
he didn't hesitate. The I'll give the referee credit. He didn't hesitate. He made his decision right away. Bin the player immediately, and Scarlett didn't complain. So I guess it was, you know, the right call. But you know, I've seen a lot of malls brought down illegally in the uh, in the manner that Scarlett's brought this one down, and kind of in the time time frame that it was as well. So was it? The right call, I don't know. I'll I'll let somebody else make that decision. I think a warning could have been issued, but maybe there was a warning and I didn't and I didn't listen I didn't hear it. There's a chance of that as well. But eh, unfortunate. Uh let's go through the try scoring. Uh it was a lot yeah, you know, it wasn't a like I said, it wasn't a super exciting game. Uh Shuzino, uh gets over near the end of the first half. Rus- Russell converts that. Um, Lee Halfpenny did get Scarlett's on the board early. Gareth Davies with a nice bit of footwork. Um, picked the ball off the back of the scrum. Scarlet's were on the attacking five. They're on the resting five-meter line with the scrum and looked for all reasons like he was just going to pick the ball up and pass it out to his back line. Instead, he uses some pretty quick feet to get back around the blind side of the scrum. Nobody's really keen to it, and with the wet, wet, really, really wet, slippery conditions, if you fall on the ground and you have some momentum going forward, doesn't matter what somebody else does, it's, you're probably going to slide over the line, and he did just that. So uh, very, very, very nice bit of footwork. And then Jonathan Davies set up Johnny, Johnny McNichol with a nice-looking Chip through it. It looked like it was on a penalty advantage too. So he just said, "Heck with it! I'm going to have a shot," and it looked great. That was all that there was for Scarlets. Unfortunately, uh, the misconversion by Lee Halfpenny was huge in the end because had he hit it, this game would have still been Scarlets. Even after probably, I would say they would have probably been able to eat the clock even after the um, the penalty try. So. Kicking comes in handy big. I know I said that I will bring tries to a match all day long over kicks, but it doesn't mean kicks are completely unimportant. You need to hit your conversions, especially ones that are relatively easy, especially for a professional. Although, to be fair, those were not easy conditions. You know, sideways rain. Sideways rain just uh, it wasn't an it wasn't a gimme kick by any means. Certainly not to the level of Freddie's. Sorry, Freddie. I'm just gonna harp on that, man. I don't want to be one of those guys. I'll try not to get too. I'll try not to get on his case too much about that. Somebody else. I'm sure there's gonna be ten other people in the media, and I'm not media, but I'm just saying there's gonna be ten people out there in the media and pundits that are gonna ride Freddie Burns hard for a while. So, anyway, I digress. Back to uh, so yeah, Lee Halfpenny's kick wasn't unmakeable. It was certainly one that I would expect a professional to make. Yes, it was awful conditions. And no, I can't kick worth a damn, so I'm not one to talk. But I'm just saying from what I see um, and from just, you know, general knowledge and, you know, all the rugby I've watched over the years, I'd say it was a penalty uh, conversion that was hittable. Didn't hit it, cost him. So really, was it the penalty try that cost him? Eh, no, I'd say it was probably the misconversion. And there were missed, um, I think he missed a penalty as well. He missed both his conversions, didn't he? 
Yes, he did. So he missed both conversions. That clearly was, if he hits one of those two kicks, it's doable. The other one was on the sideline, so that would have been much tougher. This one was less so. All right, Ulster and Leicester. Great match up in uh, up in Belfast. Um, John Cooney was the man as he has been all year for Ulster. Uh, I don't necessarily keep track a ton of the Pro 14, but I do know John Cooney has been tearing it up for Ulster. And he just pretty much stepped up and did the same in this competition as well. Um, talking point, George Ford's yellow card near the Midway point of the first half that stopped a what was probably a try. Uh, They gave the yellow card and didn't give the penalty try. It baffled me a little bit. I I basically thought one one went with the other in that case. I'm not one to say for sure if that's the case, but it was um it was questionable. Let's put it that way. I think uh, I think Elster. Could have felt a little aggrieved, but they did get the they get they got over the line in the end anyway. Um, this was not a super watchable first half, but it was a very good second half. Um, go through the try scoring real quick, real quick. Alan O'Connor got over um, after the after the break. No tries were scored in the first half. Just a George Ford penalty uh, with about fourteen or fifteen in. Uh, Will Addison, Will Addison got over the line. That was very, very well set up try. Um, good move, good movement out wide. Then Jacob Stockdale does what Jacob Stockdale does very well and got one over uh, for Ulster. Manu Langi shows how good he can be when he decides he's going to run forward. He gets himself over that gain line more often than not, but you know he does have the ability to finish as well. He's shown it before. It's good to see that he's showing it again. Uh, so he got over and slid himself into the try zone for uh, for one more, giving Lester at least an outside shot at getting taking home a, a losing bonus point. It, this was another wet, rainy match. It was well contested. Um, Will Addison getting a little bit of uh, revenge on the premiership by get, getting himself over the line. It, like I said, you could probably bypass the first half of this match and just look at the <laughs> just look at that uh that second half and enjoy all right let's start with the let's get to the early matches for sunday morning uh gloucester returned to europe uh actually have they played in europe if they have they haven't played in a darn darn long while i'll say a damn long while um gloucester returned returned to europe with a nice victory uh cast uh the French champions come in and uh I was impressed with Gloucester. I was glad to see they were willing to do everything that they could to make sure this thing was was a win. Uh, kind of the same message to Gloucester. Come on guys, cher- you're the cherry and whites. Wear your cherry and whites when you're at home. Yeah, I, I don't think anybody I'm not signing up for a pink Gloucester uniform at least. Let's put it that way. Even if I was a Gloucester fan, uh, but good for good for Gloucester for getting in there. Uh, ben Morgan was a madman for them, named man of the match. It was you know so it was no surprise, uh, and really good for him because he did it with Eddie Jones watching. So that was a uh, good on him. 
yeah, I hope um, I hope Eddie Jones was paying attention because I I, I am not a I'm not going to be the biggest advocate for Danny Cipriani, but I'm also one of those guys that doesn't really. I'm not a big advocate for George Ford, so you know that is what it is. Um, let's uh, let's look at the tr- the scores. So it seems Danny Cipriani has taken the tee away from tr- Twelve Trees. I believe Twelve Trees played in this match and still didn't. Um, and still didn't kick. So that's two matches in a row that Cipriani's been handed the tee and had it taken away from Tall Trees. I don't know if Tall Trees was doing that bad, but maybe he was. I can't tell you either way. Um, 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 let's look. Uh, so a lot of three-pointers were exchanged early. Uh, drop goal, penalty, penalty, penalty. So those are your three. Four, those are your four scores. Uh, two penalties from Sips, a penalty from Demora, and a and a drop goal, which... I guess made sense at the time. I, I, I don't. I'm not one to just take a shot at a drop goal just for sake of taking a drop goal and walk. I get it. You want to walk away with points when you enter a team's 22, and if you feel stifled, then that's not a terrible idea. I think Cass could have let it ride a little longer before doing that. Uh, Callum Braley got over the line with a nice, nice, nice bit of support from on uh, what's his name, Marshall. A uh, nice little, nice little cut through, and uh, made sure that the try the move got finished without uh, without hesitation. So uh, good, good scrum half line from Braley. Let's let's call it that. That's pretty much what it was. Um, Levio, uh got over for cast about almost halfway through in the second half after the break, and that's. All she wrote, really, there was a penalty from Demar, but that that was that's all they needed. Uh, Sips hit a another penalty right before the Lovato try, um, as did Demar, but it was not it was not enough. So uh, I think the French champions will not be a team to be shoved over. So this is a great win for Gloucester. They do have another tough tough match coming up. They have to go to Tillman Park and play Munster. Munster have won this thing a couple times. They know what it takes. Uh, side note, Cast have never beat an English side. So not in this competition, at least. So uh, they will continue to wait on that. All right, Leon and Cardiff, the other eight, uh, early kickoff on Sunday. I say 8 o'clock. If you were in the UK, it was probably lunchtime. Um, it's earlier here. That's just how time zones work. Uh, this, so I'll be candid. This is another match I didn't watch, but honestly, I think I wish I had, maybe I could have parked a couple of the Saturday matches and put some of the Sunday matches, uh, in its place, but it was still, it sounds like it was another cracker. Um, Leon first, I think this was their first time in the champions cup, like maybe ever in Europe. Um, those that don't know, it used to be called the Heineken Cup. This was all of like four or five years ago. So if you're still somewhat new to rugby, there's your and you're curious as to why I kind of hesitate on the Champions Cup part. It hasn't been called this forever. It's now called the Heineken Champions Cup, which kind of melds the two together. So people are, I guess, straight on what this competition is exactly. Uh, do do do. Um, so. Yeah, sounds like Gareth Anscombe was causing problems for Cardiff, uh, for Cardiff with Cardiff uh, for Leon all over. 
but it doesn't sound like Leon disappointed in the in their first match ever. Uh, it's unfortunate to lose at home for sure. I, will, I have a note on referees in a minute. Uh, Gujan got over early for uh, Leon, and then Buxis converted that. Uh, Ollie Robinson got over for uh, Cardiff. Uh, Thomas Williams got over after that. It, um, time to get over. At 31, so not too far from the half. And that was the first ha- first half scoring. Uh, a couple boxies penalties, an Anscom penalty to reply. And then Anscom got one of his own, got a try of his own, about halfway through the fir- the uh, second half. Barassi got one to bring it close. And then Anscom got a uh, hit a penalty. So, yeah, it sounds like it was also another very watchable match where, you know, the end, the result was almost, was in doubt pretty much right to the end. I mean, Anscombe's final penalty came in the 80th minute. I presume that was just to wind some clock down. All right. Saracens and Glasgow. As most of you know, I am a Saracen supporter. I watch this very intently. Very, very intently. This was an intense match. There was a ton of physicality going on. Um, Glasgow tried with their might to get through this Saracens wall. It really was a wall. Uh, defense never got it. Uh, they met, The Warriors missed at least two or three penalties, so that obviously ended up costing them. Uh, as I spoke of earlier, there were a handful of injuries, I think, on both sides, really. It, like I said, it was a very physical game. Uh a uh, a side note. I know the Saracens are a physical team, but if you're a fan of any team that plays the Saracens, just because they're physical doesn't mean everything's a penalty at uh, tackle and ruck time. It, it it's just not how it works. Um, <laughs> it's got feisty as well. A little little chippiness here or there. Uh, Maro Toje ends up with a bloody nose at some point after some scuffles. Um, but like all good, uh, like in all good rugby matches, they shook hands and let bygones be bygones by the end. Um, I'll say a note on Morrow. Uh, everybody's kind of giving him a little fleck. You know, uh, <laughs> Glasgow went over the line after the pen- after a penalty had been called for way, 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 way advanced. The guy that thought he got away with the penalty had to have known that it was on him to begin with. Um, but then. You know, Glasgow got over the line and started, thought they had scored a try. Well, the whistle had been had gone. I think the referee might have blown it even a second time. And um, Morrow and Billy Vanapola actually both went over there, went over to the t- to the Glasgow Warriors that thought they were celebrating a try and couldn't hear a whistle for whatever reasons. I understand sometimes the stadiums get loud, but you know when the referees blown blown the whistle and. You know, there's players calling you back. You need to pay attention. And Morrow went over and pretended to celebrate with the team because, I mean, it was a heavy troll. Was it an unsportsmanlike? Whatever. Get over it. He did. Uh, listen, there are guys that are going to get under your skin in every game. I've played against them, as, especially at a men's club level. But even at the professional game, you have guys that are what they call prof- professional wind-up men. Like, they just get you going. They get you out. They get your blood boiling, and they're waiting for you to see that red mist and for you to make a mistake, and you get red-carded or yellow-carded at the very least. 
So get over it. He um, he didn't do anything um, that I saw as, you know, super harsh or super unsportsmanlike. I think the only people that have been really speaking out and saying it wasn't very sportsmanlike and he shouldn't have done it were people that either, one, don't like the Saracens, or two, people that were supporting Glasgow. That's it. Everybody else, I think, is more more in the corner of, haha, that was a pretty funny joke you played on them. If you if they don't like it, then you know what? Don't commit penalties and beat them. There you go. End of story. Okay, enough of that. Um, again, hard, hard fought match. Uh, whew, a lot of a lot of injuries going around after this one. Um, you know, it was it wasn't just a freaking rock fight. It really was. You you could see the the bodies getting smashed into each other, and uh, there was some great. Great tackles made by both teams in desperate situations where they needed to make those plays. Um, people are making something about the, I think it was Alex Lozowski pass off the deck. The the TMO didn't see it, and I presume he at least had a look at it. And this eventually led to the Saracens try, I think. And listen, was he in touch? I don't know. Maybe. It took. It sounds like it took the camera crew for, um, the t the for, the network the network a long time to figure out whether or not he was in touch. So if you really want to spend that freaking long on that, be my guest. Um, naked eye looked like he just got it away, but you know, and maybe if that was a Glasgow try, I might have been I might have kicked myself and said and said, damn it, that should have been. Uh, a lineup in touch, but you know, it, in the end, you make your own luck sometimes, and it happened. It was a good run. It was a good supporting run. You know, I think the answer in the end of that is again, don't let it, don't let the runner break. I think it was Maitland that ended up getting the break after a nice uh, bit of uh, passing and moving around the back line for the series. So, one try to talk about Michael Rhodes. Uh, Michael Rhodes is not a player that does anything crazy or anything super special, but he does everything pretty darn well just the same. Uh, he doesn't have a supreme specialty, but he's not bad at anything really. So uh, that's what I have to say on Michael Rhodes. And really, that's all I have to say about this game. It was a hard-fought, you know, tough match. Again, can't say anything else, Can't say anything more than that. I think... Uh, Sequoia had to lead this game, and they actually brought Talafua in to play flanker, which was for me a bit of a scary sight, but it uh, it worked out okay. Um, I think I think Adam Hastings, in my opinion, let the um, I think Adam Hastings let the pressure get to him a little bit, in my opinion, but uh, that's just me. And we'll see what happens when um, when Glasgow go back to go to Allianz and see what's on the line for these teams when they both get in there. Um, I will say this one more note. Sorry, I know I said I was done talking about it, but I'm not actually. Um, it's there needs to be, in my opinion, better selection process for referees. Uh, one of the best referees in the world, Nigel Owens, did not have a game at all this weekend and that to me is crazy um 
Now, am I saying he's going to pick up the certain things I was looking at, like um, the, like it was the Warriors tight head, clearly boring in, you know, heads already right underneath Jamie George's chin. It's, it, it, it needs to be better. Don't, I know you want to be diverse and you don't want to put a referee from the same country or the same league in this in a in a game as often as you can, but we can get away with at least Nigel Owens is Welsh. He could have done this match. He could have done there was one more match that I remember watching and being like, hmm, I feel like somebody else could have done a better job with this one. But let's not get cute with the referee selection. Pick the best ones that you can. Um don't don't dilly dally and don't don't try and, you know, be nice to referees because you feel bad for them. Get off it. And that's all I have on that match now, I swear. All right. So last one. Take a bow, Newcastle. Well done. Well done. Okay, I need to lay this out for everybody that might not be super familiar with the situation. Newcastle have only just qualified for this competition for the first time. In a while, if not ever. And right now, they're actually sitting on the bottom of their domestic league, the English Premiership, the the Gallagher Premiership, I believe is what it's called now. Um, and to be fair, they've played some tough teams on top of that, but that's not what we're talking about here. Toulon are a team that have spent a buttload of money. I am talking about major, major, major moolah and... They have just lost to a team. Now, give Dean Richards credit. Dean Richards is a good coach. He has been for a while. You know, he got this team to overachieve last year. I'd say this is a bit of an overachievement on their part. But you got to say, Talon, just, I know they don't have the the superstars they used to. But, you know, maybe that's a sign for Toulon. You can't rely on just buying all the superstars. I know that's what all the French clubs do. But, you know, take a page out of somebody else's book because it ain't working for you. Yes, you have J.P. Peterson. You have Julian Savea. You have um, Tuya Silva. You have all these guys that are uh, in the back line. Uh, Fekitoa, uh, just all these guys that need to, that were in the back line. And then Trinduk, who I don't think is a good leader, in my opinion, um, Francois Trenduk, the fly half for uh, Toulon, uh, former French fly half. I don't think if he plays for them still, then good for him. He's getting up there in age. Um, I don't. He's a good skilled player. Don't get me wrong. Is he a leader? Can he be that leadership guy that you need near the end of the game? Eh, probably not. So uh, that's not. Yeah, that's the. the there's not a. Uh, there's not that bite they had in the back line anymore, and they've still spent a lot of cash. Not nearly as much as, actually, probably more than they used to, if I have to be honest. I don't know that for a fact, but if I had to guess. Um, also, their discipline is awful. They were missing two starters who are who just acted like complete thugs in previous matches that were banned. Both will be back. I think both will be back next week. But still, like, be more disciplined and you'll have you'll have your players. And to be fair to Newcastle, they're missing Nicky Ganova. And that's somebody I would be really disappointed to be without. 
Now, it was Joel Hodgson had a stormer of a match. Uh, Tate had a great game. It was good to see him back. Um, but, you know, they're still missing some guys, and they just nutted up and did it. Um, we'll talk about a couple other of the big incidences at, at the in the game. Um, but let's talk about, oh, let's talk about the first try. Jeez, I'm right off the bat, though. They got it, too long got it started fast. Mickey Young just didn't take a very good angle on his box kick, and uh, Tafa Fanua just blocked it, and it was an easy scoop and score. He was all of five meters away, and off we go. So he got the scoring going, no minutes technically gone, and like it was within the first 30 seconds. <laughs> um, Kyle Cooper got one halfway through the half for Newcastle. It was, uh, you know, low little, it, I mean, it was just short little hooker try. What are you going to do? He's too damn short to be able to necessarily take out at the waist. But, you know, if you go any lower, you're probably going to get knocked out by his knees. Uh, Cafia got got one for, got, got another one for um, Toulon near the end of the half. And then we had a series of yellow cards. Ben Whitehouse got a little yellow card happy. I think they were all by the book. And if you look at them each individually, they were correct. And this match get a, did get a little out of hand. The crowd was not helpful in that whatsoever. Um, Girado got one for Toulouse. Uh, Toulouse, they'd kill me. Toulon at 55. And then a uh, man. It was a huge penalty try. When was the penalty try? It was... Where was that? That had to be... That was at the 50th. All right. So that was, So they got a huge penalty try um, awarded to Newcastle on for a tackle on Sonati Sonati. Two parts of the play that were talked about. One was, was their obstruction when, the, uh, when Newcastle started their backline move. I don't think so. The runner held his line. He did not try and bump into the Toulon defender. I don't remember who it was uh, on, in either case, but it looked like the player just held his line and just kept running. Did he slow down in a somewhat opportune time? Probably, but that's okay. That's part of it. You did, he didn't change his line. If As long as he doesn't go left, go right, and make it um, make initi- initiate the contact into the player, He's not blocking. He's just running a line, and it's a it's a option line, a dummy line, if you will. So Newcastle broke, and then Sonati Sonati. I and I totally agree with this. Sonati Sonati. If you get him full steam ahead, you know five, seven, eight meters out, whatever it was, he's in, especially in space. He's he's already got a full steam ahead. The man's not going to get stopped. It was a high tackle, and it was rightfully called. Um, who was the new Toulon player? Uh, I will probably butcher the hell out of this name. So the Toulon player was Ikpafan, something like that. Ikpafan, something to that nature. Either way, he it was, he was the Toulon fullback and definitely, definitely uh, stopped a try-scoring opportunity. And it was going to be a try, no doubt. So that was the right decision. Um, at the end of the game... It, this is why I don't think Trent Duke is the leadership type. They went for the corner instead of the post. They were down one. And 
it turned out that they it turned it turned out that they would decide to um knock the ball on at some point and Newcastle cleared it ended up getting a penalty of their own put it back on their own end and managed to find a way to defend and run out the clock i think they ended i think they ended up losing the line out but the initial line out after after they were awarded the penalty and kicked it further downfield but Toulon just didn't have the bite and uh, i think they went for a cross kick which baffled me a little bit it was well taken and that was the end um and one more thing on Toulon for all the money that they have and I don't remember the owner's name. I know he made his money in like uh, cartoons or comics or whatever it was, whatever they said on the broadcast. And for all the money they have, I know they have a load of cash. That's not something that's a mystery to most rugby fans. Their surface is atrocious. Like I get sometimes when it's wet and gross, the surface is going to get torn up. But their surface is awful. They They should be ashamed of that surface, really. And I know that that's not something that's necessarily valued highly, and they feel like it. But I feel like with the backline they have, you should have a good surface. It shouldn't. There was a a point where the ball was rolled into the scrum and it was hooked back, but it couldn't roll back because it was stuck in a patch of dirt that had been kicked up, and basically the turf was blocking it. it. It was big enough mound of turf that it was blocking it from getting to the back of the scrum. That's poor. Talon, do better. Do better, please. All right, so that'll be it for the for the show. It was not super analytical, but it's a um, it's not a competition that I wish to get too deep into the fantasy. Um, we can talk about you know guys that are coming into form next week a little bit more, and that'll give me a better insight of what's going on. I also don't know. I'll be candid. Candid. I don't know all these teams. I know obviously the English teams because I've been talking about them for the last three, four weeks. But you know, it's it's hard to figure out what what guys are really getting into it and what guys aren't, especially when the stats aren't all necessarily something that's compiled right in front of me. I've compiled stats for the Premiership like that very easily. But I can tell you this, um, if you're looking for certain teams to change out players for, look for the guys from Leinster, for sure. Um, I think Bath are playing Wasp. I would consider somebody from Bath. The um, I don't remember the, the South African winger's name. Um. So Kobe, Kobe from uh, Toulouse, I hope I'm saying his name right. I'm pretty sure that's what they were saying on the broadcast. I'll, like I said, I don't watch all these teams super closely like I do the Premiership, but um, I try not to completely butcher team uh, players' names because I'm not that much of a jerk. <laughs> At least I try not to be. Uh, so Kobe is $6 million, and when you're talking about other wingers that are you know, upward near near ten, six million is pretty good, and it looks like he's going to find a way to get through. Especially when guys like Joe Rockacoco and Samisa Rockanuguni cost eight. You want to and need somebody a little cheaper. That's a good one to consider. Um, 
good good goal kickers are obviously somebody else something else you want to look at. Uh, Johnny Sexton was definitely in the in the kicks on Friday night, so I'd say he's gonna be looking at that. Check weather weather reports too. Lee Halfpenny is a great kicker normally, but it was such garbage weather. Didn't do him any favors. Um, if you know teams and or players are super ill disciplined, don't get don't be going after them because they're going to cost you points. And it seems like points are very precious. Um, I can tell you the average point I was scoring it looked like somewhere around five. So if you get a three, a minus three, and the or, and or a minus what eight, yeah, or a minus six, whatever I said the the red cards are in the beginning. Yeah, not good. I think it's minus six, the red cards. Yeah, so if you're averaging five between five and seven points for most of your players, and you have to eat a minus six, bad news bears. Don't get a don't or even minus three. It hurts. So that, um, like I said, check your lineups. Make sure that people are playing. Don't be an idiot like me and ignore the lineups that were right in front of your face and still start players anyway. Um, so that's all we're gonna do for today. I will be back next week for one more, and then we're gonna take a we'll take a small break. Hopefully, after that break, we'll have uh, some other voices to have a conversation with, other than me just continuously talking into a mic into, and um, maybe something more entertaining. <laughs> uh, so, if you have if you're listening to this and you wanna you have corrections, you have a com- another topic you want to talk about, you have another. Subject I missed entirely. You think I'm wrong about something. You t- you think this show is terrible. Doesn't matter. I'm just here to talk about rugby and be an average person. Uh, but if you're looking for an email just to ca- have a conversation with, uh, email fantasyrugbypodcast at gmail.com. I'm, all, I'm also on Twitter at jdyke, D-Y-K-E, 8man, the letter 8, M-A-N, on Twitter. So you can find me there. And um, eventually there'll be a Twitter for this show if we decide to keep it going for longer than this season. But for now, that's where you can find me. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to me dribble on, on about rugby and pretend to know what I'm talking about. Uh, everybody have a good day. Enjoy round two of Europe, and I will see you all next week. Cheers.